Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So the title of tonight's message is Converts and Disciples. Throughout the first 11 verses, I want you to see if you can see where there's encouragement uh, from others. I want you to look for um, maybe loneliness and total dependence on God. Look for circumstances where people are coming in to the situation that they're helping and encouraging each other. See where there might be fear in the first uh, few verses that we look at tonight, the first 11 verses. And understand that God has written these words that we're going to look at tonight, not only to tell us what happened a couple thousand years ago, but also what's going on in your life today. That's so important because it's His living Word. And sometimes we don't understand that. You should be here, as I am, for an anticipation of God through the power of His Holy Spirit to show you things that you individually need to know. So we just want to be submissive to what God wants to do. So if you were here last time, we left... um, Athens, remember Mars Hill? And now Paul is going by himself from Athens, a 50-mile trek over to Corinth. But it's 50 miles, mostly on foot. Well, almost all the way on foot. And then when he comes up into this region right here, this little piece... There's high cliffs that he's got to walk through. And some are very high on one side. It's just, a, it's just a cliff wall. And on the other side is a drop to the ocean. And a lot of times robbers would be there stealing from people and then throwing them into the ocean and killing them. So you needed God's protection to travel where he sends you to go. And for us to be at this point of our lives, regardless of who you are, God has protected you to bring you to the place you are today. Just like Paul. And we need to always have a dependence on on him. Somebody asked me a couple, uh, or a month ago, how long was each of Paul's missionary journeys? So I said I would get back to him. And Paul's first missionary journey took about one year. And we, and we saw that primarily in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Paul's second missionary journey, which is what we're looking at right now, took about three years. He was actually in Corinth for a year and a half. <clears throat> and then the third journey took about five or six years, including a three-year stay in Ephesus. So, he was in it for the long haul. 
He was following the call that his Lord put on his life. So let's dive into uh, the first verse of chapter 18 in Acts. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. One of the cool things is when you actually take time to study Scripture, a lot of things are in that verse that we could just pass over. And most of you have been here as we've been going through Acts, and you can remember in Philippi, in Thessalonica, he was beaten, he was chased out. You know, he had to leave because of the persecution. Berea, didn't, that didn't happen. They received his word. They, they checked out the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying was true. And then he moved down uh, because some of the Jews and people followed him from Philippi, then to Thessalonica, and they were coming into Berea to also try to cause problems. So before the problem started, Paul went all the way down into uh, Athens, and now he's in Corinth. But he left um, Athens without any persecution, and he gave one of his great oratory speeches on Mars Hill But there wasn't many converts. Not many people came to Jesus. There were some, but it wasn't a big conversion. And I think Paul learned some things, and he mentions it. He's going to mention it in these verses that we're going to look at tonight. And sometimes what can happen, you and I can rely so much on our intellect or our ability or our status, or lack of status, that we don't give everything over to the Lord. We don't just submit to Him and say, hey, Jesus, please just use me. Use me in my home. Use me in my church. Use me in my neighborhood, my job, or whatever. The more you submit to Christ, the more He's going to use you. The more you allow Him to be Lord of your life, the more He's going to use you, and the more you're going to see Him use you in the circumstances that you're in. So notice in verse 1, it says he departed from Athens to go on this 50-mile trip to Corinth. He departed. He just left. No persecution. He could have stayed in Athens, but he followed the lead of the Spirit to Corinth. Now, Corinth, as you see up on the map, doesn't seem too big, but it was the crossroads of the Roman Empire. It was huge. There was almost 200,000 people here. Almost 200,000 people. Compared to Athens, it was like us going from Jamesburg to Las Vegas, if you want a comparison. And just as Las Vegas is called Sin City, Corinth was no different. This was a city of trade and travel. People from all over the Roman Empire would go through this area. But one of the things, it was one of the most corrupt areas in the world at the time. The money, the vice, the various philosophies and religions. But you know what? It was a lot like New York City or L.A. or L.A., or any big city in our world today. We could easily say that the whole world, if you go into any big city in this whole world that we live in, 
was like Corinth. Just like Corinth. What was going on there? It was a city of corruption. It was a city of people pursuing pleasure and immorality. Paul went alone. I want you to think of that. If you ever feel or you're feeling alone. Paul went alone this time before he had his buddies. He had Timothy and he had Silas. But those guys, if you remember, up in Macedonia, they're up in the Thessalonica and Berea area up in the northern or the upper left corner. They're still up there helping the church get going. They're teaching. They're encouraging. So Paul's all the way down here by himself. But now you see something. He takes a journey 50 miles by himself over to Corinth. Lonely? I think so. I think at times he felt lonely. Just a human condition, right? But he had a dependence on the Lord. He never gave up. You've got to remember, he was beaten. He still has the wounds. He still has the scars if the wounds are already healed. What do you and I go through? What scars do we have? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically of things we've been through. But I see you here tonight. I see you here on Sunday. There's people on the internet listening. You're not giving up. You're here. You're here because the Holy Spirit draws you here. You're here to hear God's Word. You're here to learn and encourage one another and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Now, God opens and closed doors for Paul. We saw that. We saw that in his travels. How many of the doors did he close over in these areas here? He wanted to go up to Galatia and Pontius. He wanted to go all in here. He wanted to go to Bithynia. Remember, he had to come all the way over here, came over to Macedonia and all the great things that God did up here through Paul. Paul had his own ideas where he thought he should go, but God shut the door. Is God shutting doors in your life? But if he does, he's also opening doors in your life. He's also putting you in positions to do things for him. Whether it's one-on-one, whether it's on one-on-ten, whatever it is. And we're not talking about here, necessarily. Can it be taking place here? Absolutely, and it is. But we're talking about you where you are when you're outside the walls of this church. Because the Bible says you're living stones. You're the one God uses in all the other areas that I don't go to, but you do. person next to you probably doesn't go in the sphere of influence you have, but you're there, and God wants to use you. He spreads you all out to have an impact for Him in the places that you work, places that you shop the flat tire that you have and people come across to help you. These are all God-ordained moments that you can be a blessing or be blessed or both in those situations.
Now, the enemy of our souls has a team, a demonic team, not a dream team, but a demonic team. And he wants to close doors that God opens in your life. But a lot of times, we close the doors. We get discouraged. We have pity parties. And we quit. We stop. We don't take advantage of the doors that God opens. And I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you. When you're feeling down and out, when you're feeling alone, when things aren't going your way, just spend more time with Jesus Christ. Just get alone with Him. Just talk to Him. Read His Word. Get into the Psalms. Just pray the Scriptures. Let Him speak to you. Let Him encourage you. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, By perseverance, the snails reach the ark. Can you see those little guys traveling wherever they came from? While the elephants and the sheep and the horses and the dogs are all running or galloping to the ark. Noah knew he had to wait for those snails. Just persevere like those snails. Just persevere. In Corinth, this sexual immorality was very popular because there was a temple high on one of the hills to a goddess named Aphrodite. You might also know her as Venus. She was a goddess of fertility and sexuality. There were 1,000 temple prostitutes. Then you had the prostitutes for the rich and famous. Then you had the prostitutes for the normal population. They said if you went to Corinth with money, you left with syphilis. That's how immoral this place was. They say if you were a Corinthian, that was like a curse word. It was saying you were just an immoral, heathen, hedonistic person that just prostituted yourself. It was bad. This world is pretty bad. <laughs> this United States of America is pretty bad. There's a lot of individuals, there's a lot of places that could fit in to what we're talking about tonight. In, a, in 146 B.C., Corinth rebelled against Rome and was brutally and utterly destroyed by the Roman armies. It laid in ruins for 100 years until Julius Caesar rebuilt the city. It quickly reestablished its former position as a center for both trade and immorality of every sort. Isn't it something, as you look at history, or you just think about our world today, how the fleshly culture influences society? 
Paul wrote the book of Romans from Corinth. He saw the, the magnitude of the flesh in Corinth. And he wrote the book of Romans. People from the whole empire, remember, came through Corinth. And Paul knew that this crossroads, if a church could be established here, and it was a strong church, that it could have a strong impact on the various regions where people would pass through, come to this church, and then go back home. There's a friend of ours, Mark Ellis, who um, started a home group down in Florida, and there were 15 to 20 people there this past Monday night. That's awesome. Remember, a home group that does a Bible study, that's a home church. That can be a home church. Many of the Calvaries started with just a home group of a handful of people. And now they have hundreds or thousands because it's the work of the Lord. Your influence individually as people come into your life, in your world, who knows what's going to come from that by you just being a light by you just being a disciple maker, having an influence, wanting to build into each other's life. God encourages you by other people and circumstances that come into your life. You should be doing the same. Think of this today. Were you an encourager of any person today in any situation that you're in? Second question did anybody encourage you today in any situation you were in? Hopefully, yes on both counts. Let's look at Acts um, verse 2 of chapter 18. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent, tent makers. So we see some things in verse 2. First one I want to uh, go into is this guy, Claudius. In verse 2, Claudius was the fourth Roman Empire, or I'm sorry, fourth Roman Emperor. His name was Claudius Caesar. Caesar again being a title. So he was the head honcho of the Roman Empire. And he had all the Christians, all the Jews, I'm sorry, all the Jews chased out of Rome. Not out of Italy, but out of Rome the city of Rome. And they needed to go to different places. They had to relocate. But one of the cool things is, as God so often does with ungodly people, he used Claudius to influence the spread of Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. And we're going to see this in a little bit in our looking at Aquila and Priscilla. Because they had to leave their region, they end up meeting Paul. 
One of the things of Claudius, you know, he reigned for about 11 years from A.D. 41 to A.D. 54. And he was poisoned by his wife in 54 A.D. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now that's a verse that's back in Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. But how important is, has that verse been in your life and mine? How many times did the enemy mean things for evil in our life and that God used it and turned it into good? So here, on the surface, Priscilla and Aquila had to leave their homes and relocate. They were from this area here. Right here. And they end up all the way here. Paul, one day, is going into the marketplace. Remember, a couple hundred thousand people in Corinth. And he just happens, just happens, just a coincidence, to run into Priscilla and Aquila. They say that a coincidence is not a kosher word. There's no such thing as a coincidence. This was a divine appointment. And not only was it not a not only was it a divine appointment, but notice the trade of Priscilla and Aquila. They're tent makers. That's what Paul was. He was a tent maker. And here they have a common, they have something in common. And God is going to use that for over a 15-year relationship that develops between these three. And these three will end up going from Corinth to Caesarea to Ephesus. Here in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila will start a church. We'll see in a minute or two where else they're mentioned in Scripture. But who has come into your life that you never knew outside of Christ and now you have developed a relationship and a friendship with that person and then have they taken you even further in maybe a ministry with those people or that person? I think 20 years ago, I didn't know that guy all the way in the back left corner, Pastor Joe. Never knew him. Never knew him. And I went to opening day at South Brunswick, uh, the middle school in South Brunswick. Didn't really meet him there right away. So God brings me from an hour away. I didn't have to walk it like Paul, thank God. And I met Pastor Joe, and now here's 20 years later. 
that amazing? That's amazing. So hopefully there's people you're developing or have developed a relationship with. And if you're in ministry with those people, praise God. That's a God thing. And I look around here and I'm looking at people that have met other people in this church. You're in ministry with them. You're doing things. You're seeing the Lord work. Praise God. That is God at work. You know, the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. But we're still in the church age and God is still doing a work. He's still using His Holy Spirit to use each one of you. And that's a blessed thing. That's a tremendous thing. In verse 3, you know, you see the same trade of tent making. And it's pretty neat how God uses the occupation of Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. And notice they built tents. And they're in this area of Corinth. And you can see the body of water on both sides. You know, in, in the study, when I was studying, this was a trade route. People were coming through here. Most of the times they didn't have any places to stay. So guess what one of the number one businesses was in Corinth? Tents. People want to li- sleep somewhere, not on, you know, just an open area. They want a tent. They want to feel the security. So tent making was one of the main uh, sellers in Corinth. The other thing, when people took ships to any place, it wasn't like a cruise liner. They would get on these ships and they would sleep on the floors, like on the cargo deck. They would take tents, nail them to the floor, and sleep on the tent on the ship. That was their cabin. And there were no upgrades. So when you think of this, when you think of the things that are going on, just think of the development of their trust in the Lord, their faith in the circumstances in their life. That wasn't always easy. If you sometimes don't have it easy or it's been a hard life, understand it's temporary and through that, God is still bringing you through and teaching you things. That's so important. He knows what it takes in each of our lives to bring us to the place we need to be. If we're left on our own, we wouldn't develop. We wouldn't be made into the image of God. He's the master sculptor. We're just the clay and He's just molding us and making us so that we can be a valuable vessel used by Him. But going back to their trade, they help people physically have shelter and security and a home. But they did that spiritually too. God prepared them through their trade for what they were doing spiritually in people's lives. Security. Shelter. A home. That's what you and I do when we direct people to Christ. They're saved from this. uh, They're saved eternally 
and we give them a real home that they can settle their heart in. Real security, not with the temporariness of this life. And what does the scripture say? This world is not our home. We're just pilgrims passing through. So what is your occupation? How has your occupation been reflected in the ministries that you're in? What has it prepared you for and allowed you to do? It's pretty awesome if you can answer that and see His hand all the way through your life preparing you for where you are today. Your training, the things that you go through, prepares you for God's work. Verse 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and the Greeks. He reasoned. Paul communicated. He discussed. He debated. He interacted with the people. In the synagogues, every Sabbath. And he persuaded. He changed minds. He changed actions. But let's get this straight. It wasn't Paul. It was the Holy Spirit in Paul that was using Paul's ability given to him by the Lord to change hearts, to change minds. To change the people's course of action. And that's what God does with you and with me when we sit at His feet. That's what He does with you and me when we discuss things, communicate God's Word with others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Billy Graham was asked, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? And he said, I would preach Jesus crucified and His blood more. And if you look at Mars Hill and uh, Paul with the philosophers there, he really didn't speak much about the cross. He really didn't speak much about that. And he left there with very few converts. When you lift up Jesus, if he's lifted up, he will draw people to him. The gospel. Never to be the shame of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe. For the Jew first and then for the Gentile. The cross is the central message of every message that we preach here. If Jesus isn't the center, His death and resurrection, His life, death, resurrection, and coming again, that's the crux of our gospel, put in our faith and trust in a living, risen Savior who's saving us from the judgment and the fires of hell because if we don't repent and follow Christ, that's where we end up. And the good news is no one has to go there. They just have to put their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Because judgment is coming. The clock is ticking. The time is running out in this world. A person passes tonight into eternity and they haven't received Christ. They're going to hell. If they receive Christ, they're going to be with Jesus. This is the message of the whole gospel. This is the message that Jesus, why he came. He so loved the world. That he came to die. That if anybody believes in him, they're not going to perish, but have everlasting life. There is a reason Paul went into the synagogue. He went to church to teach fellow Jews about Jesus. About his life, about his death, about his resurrection. About his coming back and everything else after that. He was given him the revelation of the scriptures that God gave to him. And you and I have the revelation of the scriptures from, Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation that we can tell people about the, the gospel. We can tell people about the rapture. We can tell people about the thousand year reign of Christ. We can tell them about the streets of gold in heaven. We can lay out the whole picture. Everybody can have a hope in Jesus Christ. Because he's given us his living word. People like Paul, people like Aquila, Priscilla became close friends. And we see them mentioned in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, to Paul's letter to Timothy, to Paul's letter to the Romans. As a matter of fact, in Romans 16, verses 3 and 4, it says... Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Remember, they hung out. They were with each other for 15 more years. And they were willing to die with Paul. They put their necks on the line. Talk about people who were committed. To Jesus Christ. It was no chance they met in that marketplace. Jesus brought them together in the tent of his Holy Spirit. And most likely during that meeting with Paul, they came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Or it could have happened when they were back up in that area near Pontius. They heard people who had heard the gospel message from Paul. And they got saved. But look how far they had to travel to meet Paul. Think about that. Think about those divine appointments. Ministry brings you and I closer to people. It sometimes can challenge us. Can a ministry? Does it, does it challenge you if you're in ministry? Do you always get along with the people you're in ministry with? I think the only place that you'll get along with people that are in ministry is in heaven. Because God uses people in ministry like sandpaper too. To smooth out the rough edges that you still have. And sometimes... Those are the greatest bonds of friendship 
or when you're in ministry. But sometimes that challenge ends up in division. We saw that with Paul and John Mark. Remember way back in Acts? They split up. Only to be reunited later on. So I was reading and studying for this message. I was thinking the different types of ministry. There's ankle deep ministry. There's knee deep ministry. There's hip and shoulder ministry. And there's deep dive ministry. Some people just want to get their feet wet. Some people, okay, I've been in this for a while, I want to go a little deeper. And some people go a little deeper. But then there's some people, boy, I just want to dive in. I want everything that God has for me. Everything the Holy Spirit. Just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me come gushing out to everybody. What's holding you back? What's holding me back from going deeper? What are you afraid of? That God doesn't know what He's doing? How much do we trust our God? How much trust do you want to have in God? 10 million billion percent? 10 percent? 50 percent? I think as we grow, right, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, we just see us going deeper and deeper. And we look back and say, Lord, how did I get here? You're so faithful, Lord. I remember I didn't want to get my big toe wet. And now I'm totally submerged. And I love it, Lord. I love what you're allowing me to do and what you've done in my life. We see in Priscilla and Aquila the importance of lay ministers. Laymen. Regular people. Who have just... They're regular people just going to work, coming home, taking care of their families. And here we see with Paul, or I'm sorry, with Aquila and Priscilla, you know how God just used them in a mighty, mighty way. You're very important, everybody. You're all important in the kingdom of God. You're all so crucial to the encouragement of someone here or outside these walls. Look to encourage. Look to love somebody outside these walls and in these walls, in this church. Allow God to use you in a mighty way. Who are your Pauls and Timothys? Who are your Silas's, Aquilas and Priscilla's? Who are they? And who are you those people too. That's what it's all about. That's how the love of Christ is shown to others in relationships. Nobody can do this alone. Yes, there's times you're going to be alone. And I believe whenever we see that in many of the saints' lives throughout the Old and New Testament, it was a time for them 
to get refreshed in the presence of God one-on-one because maybe they were just too busy to hear God's voice. Maybe there's too many distractions and too noisy that they couldn't hear the still, small voice. Spend time with God. That's crucial. That's where you get your marching orders. That's where you get your strength. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are you a brother or sister's burden bearer? Do you help others with the stuff they're going through, whether it's through prayer or encouragement? Whatever it is. That was just two examples. In the next verse, we'll close in a couple minutes with this. In verse 5, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed him, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Well, we know that up in Thessalonica, in that region, two of his buddies were up there, Timothy and Silas, and he sent for them, remember, after when he was leaving Athens, he said, or when he got to Athens, he said, send Timothy and, and Silas down. So they have to travel all the way from the north all the way down to where he is. So it was an encouragement when we see them rejoin Paul. So he's pumped up that they were there. And also we see in 1 Thessalonians that um, the church up there, Philippi, sent some monetary gifts. And they say possibly it allowed Paul to spend more time in ministry instead of making tents, this gift that was sent down to him. So there was a, Paul was encouraged by someone by some people and some things that came his way. Just like we would be. That encouragement. Maybe he was feeling down. Maybe he didn't see too much action happening. Um, 2 Corinthians, as a matter of fact, mentions that financial support that came from Philippi in 2 Corinthians 11. In Luke chapter 9, verse 5, it says, And whoever will not receive you When you go out of the city, shake off the very dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So here's Paul going into the synagogues, trying to help his fellow Jews, giving them the gospel, but some of them are rejecting it. And some of the Gentiles were in there too. And these were Gentiles who supported the Jews or they just wanted to have a religion. And some are coming to Christ, some aren't. But there is a group that you'll always see that is rejecting the message. And, as we just read, or I just read in Luke, we see that, that when this happens, just shake off the dust and keep going. Don't quit. And in Matthew 7, 6, it says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And that's something that Jesus Christ said. 
Closing with that verse 7, and he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. We'll get into this more next time, but how awesome is our God? That here Paul was going to the synagogue, and right next to it, not only right next to it, there was an adjoining wall. That on the other side of the wall was a synagogue. On this side of the wall, okay, is this house of this guy, Justice, who worshiped God next door. And we're going to see next time that some of the people who are in the synagogue get saved, and guess where they're going? To the house church right next door. And there's a whole little message in there with the law and grace that we'll look at next time. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for your encouragement with seeing how people come into our lives to challenge us, to encourage us, to um, make us think and lean more on you. I would just pray, Lord, that um, we would be the same to them. And Father, if there's anybody here tonight who doesn't know you or listening on the internet who doesn't know you, the the bottom line, the whole thing that Paul was uh, doing was he was preaching the gospel. He was talking about Jesus crucified for the sin of mankind. And if there's anybody here or on the internet that God is convicting you, showing that you have not been living a life that matches up with His perfect standards, and that you want forgiveness, you want to follow this living Christ, then we're going to say a prayer and um, give you that opportunity to be a child of God. So if that's you, just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Jesus, I want to turn from my self-directed life, and I just want to follow you. Forgive me, just come into my life. Thank you, Lord, for washing away my sins. Give me a hunger for your word. Just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to just keep learning. And Lord, help me to be that encourager to others. Help me to go to church and learn and read your word. And I just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossroads. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact 
at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.